My subject this morning is understanding God's grace. I don't know about you, but have you ever found yourself acting in such a way, such a way that you'd be embarrassed if somebody found out that you were a Christian? Um, or maybe, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but somebody cut, cut off, cut you off on the freeway or on the highway there, and they, they cut in front of you, you had to slam on your brakes, and you look, and you see under, on the bumper there, there's a sticker. It says, smile, Jesus loves you. Um, I think that's why I don't have any bumper stickers on my car. And what is the first thoughts that go through your mind? Do you give them the benefit of the doubt and say, oh, they must have bought that car from a Christian? Or do you say, and they call themselves a Christian? Well, the truth is, all of us can forget who we are and what we believe in an unexpected moment. But haven't we all experienced what Paul experienced in Romans when he said that I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. We have all experienced that conflict. And most of us have been somehow put on a guilt trip when we don't measure up to what we feel a Christian is all about. Some of us have been browbeaten beaten in a church that condemns us and tells us that what the way we're living, what we're doing, that we're not trusting God, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, and it comes, becomes a little bit discouraging. We hear in the scripture in John 10.10, 10, the thief cometh only to destroy and steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The average Christian says there's nothing abundant about my life. I mean, I would like it to be that way, but just that's not the reality of the life that I live. Or maybe they've heard this scripture in 2 Peter 1.3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So the Bible says that God has given to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. But notice the key here. It is through a true knowledge of Jesus Christ. Most of us, our idea of God sometimes is frightening. When we think about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ living in us, we think, how in the world does that really work? Well, the bottom line is that the Christian life is not starting out with Jesus and then graduating into something better, every person who begins his Christian life begins with everything that you will ever receive. In other words, when you accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you received the fullness of the gospel. 
Now, it doesn't mean that you understand what's going on. It doesn't mean that you, that you feel it. You may not feel it. But even though that you have been given everything we will ever need when it comes to our spiritual birth, we still have a lifetime of growing in our understanding of Christ and how he affects our life and his power. And the hardest thing to comprehend and to believe and to grab a hold of is that he has given us already everything that we need. We don't need anything more. There's a big mistake about growing in grace. It's not mastering a certain principles. It's not about how much quiet time that we have, how often we read the scripture, how often we pray. It is only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that counts for anything. Whatever your situation in life may be at this very moment, which is where you will grow in God's grace if you fix your eyes on Jesus and Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Before we can understand God's grace, we need to know what Paul was facing. We're going to go to the book of Galatians this morning, and there we're going to find out what Paul was thinking about when it comes to grace. Paul is responding to a work righteousness religion. It's called legalism. Now, <clears throat> it's a combination of taking Christianity and Moses. Now, when, when I say Moses, I'm talking about the Ten Commandments or maybe all the Jewish laws, all 613 of them. But it's a, com it's a combination of taking Christianity and Moses and <clears throat> the Judaizers that Paul is going to be confronting. They felt that you had to have a total commitment to Israel's laws all 613, and that would be the climax of one convert, converting to Christ. There were a lot of Christian Jews who converted to Jesus Christ. They accepted him as Savior, but they couldn't let go of the law. They felt that Jesus would give you the power to keep the law, and that's what a lot of Christians believe today. And Paul was very angry. He was upset with the church that they were buying into these teachings. Remember, it was Paul who evangelized the southern part of Galatia where these churches were. And now he returns to Jerusalem after three years. So the church has been functioning for three years. And Paul, in Jerusalem, he hears that some of these false teachers some of these Jewish people who converted to Christianity, that they were infiltrating the church with a false teaching. In fact, Paul says that that teaching is dangerous. And we will find out this morning how true that is. So Paul sends this urgent letter. 
with the prayer and hopes that this letter would straighten them out on their theology. Paul asked them two questions. Did you receive the Spirit by obeying the law or by what you heard? Now, he asked this question because if they received the Spirit, that means that they were converted, that they were born again. And so when he asked that question, they, they said, no, it was because we heard the word. And that's how all of us came to the place where we could even trust in Christ. We heard about the cross. We heard that he died for the sins of the world. We heard all those things, and then we embraced it, and it became part of our belief system. Now, what happened here is Paul is saying that after beginning with the Spirit, are you try, trying to attain your goal by human effort? It is the same today. There are a lot of sincere Christians who love the Lord, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, have accepted them as their personal Savior, but they do not know or understand what they have in Christ. And so when they hear something like this, and for 15 years as an evangelist, I preach this mixed message of law and grace. It went something like this. We are saved by grace. And we are kept saved by obeying the commandments. Jesus gives us the power to obey the commandments. That is mixing law and grace. And that is not true at all. As we're going to find out. It's like telling a convert, listen, if you... If you Let's say they went to a Billy Graham meeting or some evangelistic meeting and they came and, they, and they, they heard the message and an altar call was given and they decide that they're going to give their life to Christ. And so they walk down that long aisle and they give their life to Christ. The evangelist meets with them afterwards and we tell them that now that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, Christ has come in, he has, he has indwelt you now the Holy Spirit is in you now, and he's going to guide you, he's going to teach you, he's going to comfort you along the way. Well, that's a beautiful message. That's a wonderful thing to respond to. But if you hear the message of, well, that was good, but now you need to get into the Word, and when you get into the Word, you're going to find out that there are certain expectations that God has for you. Now, each church has different expectations. So whether it's a Methodist, whether it's a Presbyterian, whether it's a Church of Christ, whether it's Assembly of God, they all have a message for you. And it's, they all have a doctrinal belief in, within their church. And they say to you that during your conversion process, it's you have to decide whether you're conform, you are to conform to what the Bible says. So it's telling this new convert that they are not complete, they are not acceptable to God until they embrace what they teach, and then they'll have it all. 
When this sort of thing takes place, the message itself is changed. It's no longer surrender to Christ. It's to join our group. The focus of salvation shifts from Christ to a movement, to a teaching. And this is where we get all fouled up sometimes. When this sort of thing takes place, the message, the message itself is no longer from Christ. And this is what Paul is going to show them. The Judaizers saw that their entire religion and society in Paul's, in what Paul was teaching, a, a law-free gospel could not be right. It's too good to be true. It cannot be right. God's grace, without becoming socially conformed to the law, it cannot be right. We have Christians who say that today. In my years of evangelism, people would come and they would say to me afterwards, listen, what am I supposed to do from here? Where do I go from here? And, uh, often I would say, you find a good Bible-believing church and have, have fellowship there. Anybody who proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord, anybody who claims that salvation is a free gift, anybody who claims, make claims from the Scripture, that you are complete in Christ, that's where you want to be. Now, with this background, what the Galatians were facing, or what Paul is facing with the Galatians, we go to Galatians and see what Paul says. Let me go to, let me read this text too. In, in 2 Peter 3.18, it says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. So the Bible says that we will grow in God's grace. That's what we are doing this morning. We are growing in an understanding of God's grace. So here we go to Galatians 1. Paul says, Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the church of Galatia. Now, what Paul is doing, he is greeting the people. He speaks with them, to them with his unquestionable apostleship. Paul says that the message I'm sharing with you now, the message I shared with you three years ago, he says, it was, not, it was not my message. It was not from me. It was from Jesus Christ and God the Father. Now, I want you to keep in mind one thing. That the flesh is very religious. I know it, it may be the first time you've ever heard that. But the flesh is very religious. You go around the world today. And people are worshiping their God or their gods or whatever it may be around the world. The flesh is very religious, but the flesh wants rules. They want laws because that is how they gauge themselves on how they're doing, how they're performing. And so they need rules and regulations and laws. 
So the Bible says here, Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. Now what Paul is saying here, he is reminding them, he's greeting them, of course, in the, to, in the Lord Jesus Christ, but he is reminding him that three years ago, this is what he taught them. It's the same three years ago as it is today. Grace and peace, he says. Paul goes on to say that Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present age. And that the work of Christ is sufficient. How many of us actually believe that what happened at the cross is totally sufficient for our salvation? It is it is completely sufficient. If that's all we understood, that if that's all we knew, it is sufficient for our salvation. When we accept Jesus Christ at the cross, and anytime anybody adds something to that, they're making a big mistake. Because what they're doing is they're throwing people back into performance. How do you perform? Are you following all the rules that God has laid out in his Bible? So Paul wrote this letter because he felt that the Galatians had changed positions. He had heard that these infiltrators had, came into, had come into the body of Christ. And now he is telling them to be careful. The most important critical subject is the means of acceptance of God. Do you feel that you are totally accepted by God just the way you are? Or are you thinking that maybe there's something that I need to do to make God more pleasing with me? The truth is that God is just as pleased with you today as he ever will be. To go back in the time of the days of Moses and reject the grace in Christ which is a totally different message Paul is warning them against. Every born-again Christian has peace. We don't always feel it. Why? It's because of sin. Believing what God said is true is our answer. Grace is our answer. God's grace has supplied us with the truth. Jesus Christ dwells within the believer. He is now in the midst of any temptation that we will go through. It goes something like this. I am tempted. Deep down in my core, in my heart, I receive a message from God. This message goes something like this. When I am tempted to sin... This message says, this is, not from, this is not from me. In other words, God is not in the business of tempting anybody. This is not from me. And then the message is, and this is not from you. So I don't have to feel guilty for being tempted because it's not from me. It's not from God, and it's not from me. So 
in the midst of that temptation, God is revealing to us our identity, who we are in Christ. So I am tempted, and then as soon as that temptation comes, I say to myself, you know, this is not who I am. This is not of God, and this is not, who, not from me, and it's not who I am. And the moment that we go through that process, we sense the power that there is from God to walk away from it. Now, we may not walk away from it 100%, but I want you to see something, that it's teamwork. God is living in you. Christ living in you through the Holy Spirit. That When that temptation comes, you are counting on what God says who you are from the inside. This is not of you. This is not of you. You can do it, but you are going against who you are. You can do it, yes. But you are going against your own nature. I am amazed, Paul says. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. We hear it today. Paul's emphasis here to the Galatian people is that do not listen, do not listen to this stuff. Do not go under, back under the law. You are free from the law. Paul wants us to measure everything, every doctrinal issue we may be confronted with or faced with. He wants us to measure that by the finished work of Christ. That should be our guideline for truth. Now we hear, we hear it a lot today, don't we? Somebody says Jesus is everything, and indeed he is. But I have a good friend that's, that refers to a lot of Christians as Billy Goat Christians. Because what they do is they say, yes, I believe that Jesus is everything, but are you telling me you don't need any laws? I believe that we are saved by grace, but are you saying that I can go on sinning? Is that what you're saying to me? Are you saying that we are forgiven completely for our sins? And are you saying that you don't have to beg and plead for God for forgiveness? We hear it all. Throughout the years, I think I've heard it all. But the Bible says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And notice the emphasis he puts on it again. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Well, how about you? What if, what if an angel from heaven came down? And he came here into this pulpit, and he says, I've got a new message for you. Yes, Jesus Christ is your Lord. Yes, you are saved by grace. But God will give you the power 
the Holy Spirit will give you the power to obey God. Now, if you've heard that, you're probably going to think, well, that sounds logical. Because people who say that, I've, I've had so many people come up to me and say, well, you see the law is done away with. Yes, I do. Yes. Even the Ten Commandments. Yes, I do. What do you think the law is? Oh, I think the law is holy, just, and good. You see, the Ten Commandments lead us to Christ. It points us to Christ because we can't do it. In fact, Jesus proved that point. He says to the Pharisees, you say, you say, you have heard. He says, you've heard that it is said that you are not to commit adultery. I say unto you, if you look on a woman with lust in your eyes, you've already committed it. He says to them, that was part of the Ten Commandments. He said to them, you say you shall not kill. He says, I say unto you, if you get angry at your brother, you are guilty of murder. What Jesus was doing, he was amplifying the law, showing that it is impossible to keep. We cannot keep the letter of the law. We cannot keep the law spiritually. And so the law was given to us to point us to Christ. It tells us that there's nothing we can do, really. We don't have it within us. Christ says to us, you can do nothing except through him. When will we believe it? And yet we have millions of Christians today who are trying desperately to conform to the rules and regulations of the Bible. And Jesus says that we are free from that. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the temple, the curtain in the temple was ripped right down the middle. The sacrificial system was over. Christ said, it is finished. None of us, none of us will ever be denied heaven because of sin. It'll only be because of unbelief. So the question we need to ask ourselves, how do I know what I, if I, how do I really know that I'm believing the truth? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and you have asked him to be, to come into your life, you were then born again. If you wake up the following morning and your desire is to have Christ in your life, you have received the fullness of everything that you'll ever get from the Lord Jesus Christ. You are complete, the Bible says. You are perfect forever, the Bible says. If someone tells you something else, like laws or rules, or you have to do this or you have to do that, my suggestion is to run for the hills. If someone were to ask you are you doing everything to win the approval of God by following what the Bible says? I hope that every one of you would say, no, I am not seeking to gain God's approval. I already have it. The moment that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I have God's approval. I am a child of God. Now, you may not feel like it, like I've said many times, you may not feel like it. Sometimes your performance may not 
the adequate, that's for sure. All of us have been there. But the Bible says here in verse 10, let's see if I have it. For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If, if I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul was saying here that it would be easy. It would be easy to please everyone. You know, he could have said, you know, he said, a little bit of Christ, a little bit of Moses. A lot of you people come from a Jewish background and everything. He could have said, that's okay, that's okay. A little bit, a little bit of Christ, a little bit of Moses, and that's, all, that's okay. So you can, you can believe that you're saved by grace, and you are, all of you are. But if you want to be under the law, if you want to think that God is going to give you the strength to keep the law, he could have said, well, that would be good. That would be all right. And many churches today believe that. So you cannot mix law and grace. You just cannot do it. I did it for 15 years and I made a big mistake. And later when I found out, I was ashamed of myself. The truth is, we died to the law. The Bible says... That apart from the law, from law, sin is dead. The law is for unbelievers. It's not for believers. But the truth is, we find that Paul's conversion is a complete reordering of his life, just like you and I. It's been a complete reorder of our lives. So Paul says this, For I would have, you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul actually saw Christ. And so they came to him, no matter where he was, no matter where he, what part of the world he was in, he traveled over 10,000 miles in his his 30 years of ministry. They all came to him and they said, you've seen the Savior. Yes, I've seen the Savior. And the message I got was from him. It wasn't something that I concocted. It's not something that I went down and met with the guys in Jerusalem, Peter and, and the others, and we came up with those belief system. No. He says, I didn't even, when I found Christ, when, it, when Christ came to me on that Damascus road, I didn't speak to anyone for three years. I went out on my own. I didn't go to Peter. I didn't go to James. James was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. I didn't go to any of them. And then he found out when he met with them after three years that their message was the same. There was a little conflict between Peter and, and Paul, but when they worked, they worked it all out and it was the same message. And then the Bible says this. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. Now how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And indeed he did. 
He was ruthless. The Bible, the Bible indicates that, that he was the one to be feared. The Christians feared him more than anybody else. He was dragging people out of their homes. He was stoning them. He was murdering them. And here God came to a murderer. And here he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. Paul went from murderer to an obedient apostle for Jesus Christ. God's grace is the gospel. That's what Paul said. The gospel is God's grace. Grace in you and grace through you. And the Bible says, And when I was advancing in Judaism, beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions, but when God, who had sent me apart, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me through his, through the, his grace, was pleased. To reveal his son to me so that I might preach him among you, among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas, Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. He's telling the Galatians that what you received from me three years ago, this letter that I am writing to you, is exactly what Jesus Christ revealed to me through God the Father. Yes, having God's grace keeps us from sin. When we understand God's grace, how it affects everything we do, we find that everything we do is living for God. The process is the renewing of your mind. And I can't trust all of my thoughts. When those thoughts come in up here, I can't trust them. Well, if I can't trust them, what can I trust? You can go from here, 12 inches to here, your heart. You can trust your heart. I know sometimes it's hard to believe, but I'll tell you why you can trust your heart. The Bible says that you received a new heart. God took out that stony heart. He gave you a new heart. He gave you a new human spirit. He gave you the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. You can trust your heart. It's all about allowing Jesus Christ to live his life in you and through you. And when you live from the heart, you live from God. Now, maybe you've had an argument with your spouse. And you relate in your mind up here, you know, I'm right this time. I'm not going to let just, just this go by. No, 
I'm going to prove to her, I'm going to prove to him that I am right. He or she is wrong. When you have that type of an argument, it's not from your mind. You want to go to your heart. You want to take that argument and go from your heart. It's not important who is right. But how can I be the best husband? How can I be the best wife? This comes from the heart. A lot of times when we get in arguments that come up here, it takes quite a while before it gets down here. And finally, when it gets down here, somebody will say, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. You sort of patch it up. But from the heart, Christ is living through you. There's nothing more than being who you are. You are a child of God. That's who you are. We should, we should live from the heart. We don't. Oftentimes we live from up here. And we just need to get it 12 inches down and live from our heart. Live from our core. It's nothing more than who you are in Christ. Now, there could be a problem with a child. I've had three sons. Two of them were here last week. I had three sons, all great guys. Couldn't ask for better sons. But we went through some times. And maybe you have a child, and maybe... Maybe they just kind of blew it like a couple of my boys did. And I wanted to talk to them from my mind. I wanted to set the record straight. I wanted them to know where I was coming from. And then I always took time. I always would say, I'll talk to you at another time. I didn't talk to them exactly when it happened because I was too upset. And I, was, and I know that what I was going to say would come from the mind. But then if it gave me a little bit of time to think about it, to pray about it, then I could talk to them from my heart. And every time I would say to them, to Gary or Matthew or Dan, you know that I love you, don't you? Yes, Dad. You know that I'll always love you. Yes. No matter what you are, who you are, I will always love you. Yes, Dad. It came from the heart. It came from the heart. If I would have dealt with them immediately when something happened, it would have come from the mind. I just had to take the time so I could make it come from the heart. It's not an easy thing to live from the heart, but it's the way we want to live. That's the way we want to do it. We want to live from the heart because if we live from the heart, it's God living in us and through us. This is living grace, living from the heart. It will change your relationship with your wife, your husband, your children. It will give a sense of warmth, a joy that God is living in you and through you. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that it's all true. We're thankful that we can trust you. We're thankful that you paid the price for every one of us. You accepted each one of us just the way we are. We love you, Lord, and we always will. 
You are a wonderful and gracious God. Now I pray that you will help each one of us to live the reality of having you live in our lives. Help us to live from the heart. For you gave us that new heart. You gave us that new human spirit. And now you dwell within us. And we love you for it. Bless us to this end. May it be a reality every day of our life. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.